You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Hey guys, happy Easter. It's great to be with you this morning. Can we give the worship team a round of applause for a great job? Man, well, I promise this, next week we're going to get a bigger movie theater, okay? So those of you that are new here, man, thanks. I'm so glad you're here. 18 years ago, I stepped into a church and on an Easter Sunday, and I was terrified because I had just prayed to receive Christ. My life had changed, and this church back in Little Rock, Arkansas, it's where I grew up. They asked me to come and to share my testimony with the church, and um, I had spent a lot of my adolescence uh, giving, testing my mom and my dad's faith, you could say, and I got in trouble with the schools, I got in trouble with the police, I got in trouble at home, I got in trouble at church. I mean, can you believe it? I'm a church pastor, and I got kicked out of the church camp. And so, you know, here I am 18 years ago, I'm driving up the hill, I'm about to go into Fellowship Bible Church, the largest church in the state, several thousand people were there, and I was terrified, and because I was afraid what the people might think, because I knew everybody was going to be there, my teachers, my friends, my family, and uh, I was thinking, what if they think I'm a fake? What if they think that I'm not genuine and real? What if they make fun of me? And as I was driving up the hill, I remember praying to God. I said, God, I'm, I'm really afraid to go out and do this. I've never made a public profession like this in front of thousands of people. More, more challenging for me was the people that I knew. These are the, 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 the sons, the daughters uh, of the parents that I raised so much trouble with. And um, so I'm driving up the hill and I felt like the Lord said to me, Ryan, they'll receive you with great mercy and kindness. You don't need to be afraid. In fact, they're going to give you a standing ovation. And the Lord didn't speak to me audibly, but that's exactly what went across my mind. And I thought, no, that would be too much for me to handle, Lord. If that happened, I literally would fall to my knees and I couldn't take it. So sure enough, I get to the church Easter Sunday, 18 years ago. I walk out onto the stage. I share my testimony. I see my teacher. I see the police. I see everybody there that I was afraid, and I never really got the chance to say I'm sorry. I never really got the chance to tell them that I'd met Jesus Christ and he changed my life. And so here I am on the stage and I see them out there. I don't know who placed them there, but they were in good viewing distance. I'm like, who rigged this? So I go up and I share. And at the end, I start walking away off of the stage and nobody, nobody did the standing ovation thing. And I was like, Lord, what? See, it's okay, Lord. It's okay, you know. And I start walking and this one person just stands up and goes, And pretty soon, the entire congregation, thousands of people started to stand up and applaud about the life change that they saw and witnessed in this young man's life because of Jesus Christ. I turned around and I saw it and I said, oh, and I fell 
on the ground on the stage and crawled off. <laughs> crawled off the stage. And the Lord ministered to me in that moment, said, I'm here. And I want to testify to you. Some of you guys came in here today and maybe you're thinking, good grief. I'm like that. I came in and I'm a, I'm a little afraid, nervous about an Easter Sunday service. I've got good news for you. I want you to know that Jesus can change everything. We're going to look in the Bible at 1 Peter. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. And uh, 1 Peter, Peter is a guy, he's one of the disciples of Jesus. There's 12 disciples that Jesus recruited. Peter was a fisherman, meets Jesus, and Jesus says, I'll make you a fisher of men. Uh, Peter is a nobody that God turns into a somebody. And Peter's life is changed when he meets Jesus Christ. My bet is that all of us could use some change somewhere in our life, either in our marriage, in our business, in our personal life. Some of you look into the mirror and you're not happy with the person that you see. And some of you, others will look at you and they're not happy to see you. But here's the good news. Jesus promises that because of his life, his death, and his resurrection, there's change for everybody. And so this morning, we're going to look and learn from the Apostle Peter. He's not only one of the 12, he's one of the most intimate of followers of Jesus. You've got Peter, James, and John. That's kind of the trio of the disciples. So let's do this. I'm going to read from God's Word, and I'm going to ask you to stand up. So you can go ahead and stand up. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes to encourage believers that are scattered throughout Asia Minor. Persecution is beginning to break out. We read about persecution or hear stories about Christians being persecuted today in Syria and Iraq. Well, Peter's writing to encourage and exhort us and he's going to say that everything comes down to the resurrection and that Jesus can change your life despite any circumstance and situation that you're in. And he's going to give us five pleas about the life, the death, and the burial of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that could change your life. He says this, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be Born again. Let's all say that together. Born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we pray now, would your spirit work, illuminate, encourage, edify, build us up, convict us in areas where we need conviction, and realign our desires and our motives to more reflect yours. Thank you for your word. Timeless truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Five pleas from the Apostle Peter about the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number one, Peter's going to teach us this morning that Jesus is worth giving praise. Let's all say praise together. Jesus is worth giving there you go. That's how we're going to roll this morning. Follow with me. Blessed be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word blessed literally means to speak well of or to praise. 
when he says the good father, Peter's highlighting the paternal relationship that God is a father and he's good. Peter would have remembered this verse, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did you know that Peter was one of the closest disciples of Jesus? And when Peter met Jesus, Jesus changed everything about his life. When I first became a Christian, I began to feel like my whole world was being turned upside down. And it was for the good. God began to rework in my heart, my affections, the things I love, the things I hate. And over time, I began to feel like I was experiencing what all these other Christians were talking about, about being born again. Peter's going to teach us about this, that this life change that Jesus Christ can bring because he absolutely was crucified on a cross, buried, and then rose again. He proves himself to be God. He can change life. And Peter says that's worth giving praise for. Many of you got dogs, cats, and you give them praise. And when you praise your pet, they, they wag their tail. They love to be praised. When you praise your child, they love to be praised. They, they can feed off of your affection. Many of you, that's your love language. When people speak well of you, it lifts you up. For Peter, Peter says, there's one name above all other names that ought to be praised. It's Jesus. And Peter's going to give us three different reasons why we can praise. Look what the verse says. Blessed be the God, our Father, and our Lord. Let's say Lord together. Lord, and then Jesus, Jesus, and then Christ. He gives three names to describe one person. Praise him because he's Lord. That means Yahweh. That word Lord means that he has no beginning. God is everlasting. He has no end. Nobody created God. He always was. He is the great I am. He is the Lord. That word Lord means that he's in control, that he's sovereign and he has authority and there's no king or no conqueror that's stronger than him. And Peter says that's the name that's worth being praised. In our society today, we fear, we concern over terrorism. We concern over governing authorities or ISIS. And we ask, where can we find hope? How is God working in the midst of this? But Peter's day is not all that much different than ours. And he says, in the midst of this, Christians, I want you to remember, there still is a person worthy of praise, Lord. He's in control. He has supremacy and sovereignty. Praise him because he is Jesus. Peter uses the word Jesus because he really doesn't want to skip past the person, the historical person named Jesus, a Jew from Nazareth. When I meet with people and I talk to them about their spiritual life, I will move quickly in my conversations about spirituality to point towards Jesus. Because there's a lot of people that are spiritual, but they're not focused on Jesus. Peter here says, we can't skip this up. Jesus, 
He says this because he remembers, he recalls the miraculous events that took place. It was Jesus that was with Peter and there's a storm and Jesus with the power of his word calms a storm. Nobody was like him. Jesus said to Peter, cast out your nets over here. And Peter's a fisherman. He says, I've done it all day, Jesus. There's no fish there. And Jesus says, try me. Put out your net. Miraculous catch. Jesus is worth being praised. His life was predicted by prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel. And they foretold of this Jesus Messiah, this one that was going to come and do all these miracles. Everything about Jesus' life is unique. His birth, miraculous birth, foretold by the prophet Micah that he'd be born in Bethlehem. He's born in Bethlehem. Everything about his life, Jesus is worthy of giving praise, and Peter reminds us of that. Third thing Peter tells us about why Jesus is worth giving praise is he reminds us he's the Christ. He's the Christos in the Hebrew. He's the anointed one. The Christ is the only one that can forgive sins. When Jesus is living his ministry, he's with Peter. Peter's with them. And people are doing all these terrible things. And Jesus walks up and he says, your sins are forgiven. And then a rumble hits the audience and the crowd. And they say, who can forgive sins but God alone? Peter's like, that's my man. Exactly. He's Jesus. He's the Christ. Jesus is worth giving praise On Easter Sunday, let this be a reminder that we give praise to Jesus. Number two, Peter's going to teach us that Jesus saves by his mercy, not our merits. He says it's according to his great mercy. According to means God's the giver of mercy. All of our blessings, everything that we need, salvation is in Christ It's not dependent on our good behavior. It's dependent upon the mercy and the goodness of God. And Peter tells us it's according to his great mercy, not ours. What is mercy? Mercy is loving the unlovable. When you see missionaries pack up and go to different places around the world and they're helping the sick and the hurting, they're motivated by mercy. When you see somebody that is doing terrible, wrong things, and then the other person stands up and says, love them, forgive them, that's an act of mercy. Mercy is literally, it's somebody or something that's pitiful or hideous, and then being overwhelmed with love and compassion for that person. And Peter gives us this word, and he says, it's according to his great mercy. Jesus saves us by mercy, not by our merits. Mercy reconciles relationships when there's divorce or when there's hardship and families are fighting. Mercy is what reconciles relationships. Mercy reflects the very character and the nature of God. Mercy is what points to the cross. And that's what Peter wants us to know. He says it's according to his great mercy. Mercy is the word eloas. It means compassion. It's used 27 times in the New Testament. And Peter is pointing to the death of the cross. Jesus on the cross. 
Peter had felt so much shame because in the last hours of Christ's life, Peter, means the rock, falls apart. He leaves him. He deserts him. Peter would be reminding us that if anybody knows mercy, it's Peter. He denied Christ three times. He ran away when he needed to stand strong. He fell asleep when he was asked to pray. If anybody knows mercy, it's Peter. Jesus comes back and he restores Peter and he says, Peter, I want to make sure you know, even though you've deserted me, I still call you a disciple. Peter is writing to us to challenge us to remember the great mercy. And that was demonstrated by God at the cross. At the cross, Jesus suffered for sins. That's why Jesus went to the cross to stand in our place and to make and restore what's wrong. We are the ones that are apart from God's grace, are in desperate need of reconciliation, and it's God's mercy through Jesus Christ on the cross that makes us in good relationship with God. At the cross, Jesus reconciles God to man. At the cross, Jesus pays it all. Our past sins, our present sins, our future sins. He died once for all sins. At the cross, Jesus shows mercy, that mercy always wins. I worked in a small Anglican church just for a very short period of time while I was down at Dallas Theological Seminary. And Father Henry was his name. And at the end of communion or before communion or during a prayer, he would make the sign of the cross. I found out in church history, Tertullian is a church father who began to Uh, acknowledge that Christians were making the sign of the cross over their lives as a reminder of God's mercy upon their life. And Peter's saying, this is all according to his mercy, his great mercy, and it marks your whole life. And so in every instance, in every opportunity, you need to know your life is marked by God's great mercy through Jesus Christ as a believer. And you need to know this, mercy always wins. Mercy always wins. God doesn't wake up furious in a rage against you as a Christian. Why? Because there's a great mercy that's a sign and a symbol over your life. It's been paid for. You're not going to lose your salvation. No, it was secured because it's according to his mercy. When I was growing up at 16 years old, you guys caught the drift that I was a little bit of a troublemaker. At 16 years old, I remember I was learning to drive and I was about to go take the driver's test. I'm going down uh, with my dad. We we grew up hunting and fishing and uh, we were in Arkansas. And he said, son, do you want to drive after the hunt? I said, yeah, I'd love to drive. Big K5 Blazer, this sounds fun. And uh, so we're driving and uh, after the hunt and we're on our way and we're going, I'm, the, the rule was in this uh, training experience, this is my dad did this with all the boys, he would let us drive on rural roads. Uh, if you didn't know what I said, I said rural roads. Uh, and so he let us drive and I was driving the K5 Blazer and my dad was passing out because I mean, we woke up at like 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I see 
this big dead dog in the road ahead of me. And our stop point was at the crossroads of Tucker. And Tucker's a little town. And uh, you go one way and Tucker heads to Tucker State Penitentiary. Bad place to go. You turn another direction, you go to the Duckwoods. And that's where a lot of fun, you go there. My dad would always say, son, you got two choices in life. You take the left, you go to Tucker, it's a bad road. You take a right, you go to the Duckwoods. And so we always had fun together, but my dad asked me to drive, drive the truck. And so here I am driving and my dad uh, says, you know, drive, stop at the stop sign, hang out, and then we'll change out. And uh, I'm driving and I see the stop sign and right in the road, there's a dead dog. And so I say, dad, dad, what do you want me to do? Uh, you know, because if I'm, it was set, positioned in such a way that if I moved too far over, I would cross the yellow line and be in oncoming traffic. Or if I stayed right where I was, my tire would just run, just, I would just hit the dog and that would be embarrassing and bad. You know, dead is dead, but still, you know, and there's people that are sitting on the porch and there's houses that are all wrapped around this little four-way stop. And so I wake up my dad. I say, dad, there's a dead dog in the road. What do you want me to do? And he says this, listen, he says, run over it. Well, what he meant was like high center it, you know, like high center. And so, but I heard run over it and I'm 16. So I'm like, yeah, run over it. So, and my dad just nudges back off. He's sleeping and I, I just, and he's like, mm, you're picking up speed, son. You know, and I'm like, yeah, you said run over it. And he's like, mm, okay. All of a sudden, boom, it was a big lap. Boom, boom, boom. My dad wakes up, what did you do? And I said, you told me to run over it. He said, I meant I center it. And everybody on the porch stood up. They were like, what are you doing? My dad stands out and he He's like, hey, 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 sorry, sorry, my son, you know, he, he's driving. She says, we didn't mean to. And he get in the passenger seat and dad takes over. Now, dad had an anger problem. And I was afraid. But dad met Jesus. And dad's wrath had turned into more mercy the older he got. And instead of being wrathful against me, he shows me mercy. I made a dumb mistake. Truth is, in your spiritual life, in your journey, you need to know that you're always going to wake up and mercy is always going to win over your life. And the good father that you have through your relationship in Jesus Christ means this, that no matter what you do, however you drive your life and wreck it or destroy it or make a fool of yourself, you need to know the father says mercy wins because of my son, Jesus Christ. Mercy always wins. When we look at the Bible, we need to remember there is no wrath against us because of Christ. Mercy always wins through Christ. Number three, Jesus makes all things new. Peter wants us to know this. Jesus is willing to give you new motives, new desires. That's what happened to my dad. Things begin to change where he was wrathful. There began to come mercy. And I didn't grow up in a family that had this pretty little Christian life. 
I grew up in a family that struggled. But Christ began to change everything. Mercy wins and Jesus makes all things new. He makes new motives. He makes new desires. He gives us new hopes. He can give us new dreams. He gives us new goals, new priorities. Peter met Jesus. Andrew's the one who, his brother is the one who drug him to Jesus and said, hey, you got to meet this guy, Jesus. They say he's the Messiah. Peter goes. And he meets Jesus. And you know what Jesus does? Originally, his name was Simon, Cephas. And he says, I'm going to change your name to Peter. See, when you meet Jesus Christ, he changes everything. Now, some of you, you made a profession of faith in Christ and some things have changed and not everything's changed. But good news, over the span of all of your existence, you'll see a total transformation. Some of you see it faster than others. But Jesus promises this. He makes all things new. And Peter would have known this firsthand because his name was changed. Just by meeting Jesus, who gives people a brand new name? Jesus says, your name is now Peter. It means the rock. And he didn't mean the movie star, the rock. Didn't mean the wrestler, the rock. It meant Peter, the rock. Jesus makes all things new. If anybody could say that, it would be Peter. Peter got a new vision for life. Peter got an understanding of new relationships and got a purpose in life. It says, look in the text there. He says, he's caused us to be born again. Let's all say that together. He's caused us to be born again. What does that mean? First, you need to understand he did it. He caused it. It's his initiative, God's initiative. It's his work. It's his doing. To be born again means made new. It means a rebirth. It means to be born a second time. How do you do that? Only Jesus can do that. Peter gets a new identity. He gets a new name. You know, when I think about Phoenix, I have a a hope for Phoenix. I'm not from here. I moved here from Little Rock, Arkansas, lived in Dallas. But God has placed in my heart Phoenix. We started this church three and a half years ago with just a few people. And God's doing a new thing here in Phoenix. I'm happy to be a part of it. But you know what I love actually about the emblem of our city? It, it's from Greek mythology. It's a bird that literally symbolizes rebirth. Some say it has even been attached to Christianity as a symbol or a sign of resurrection. The the myth is is this bird existed and it would live up to 1,400 years, this grand and miraculous bird. Colorful. It was in the movie Harry Potter. It's been in all sorts of different movies over time and books. And it lives and it's this powerful bird. And then after 1,400 years, it goes up in flames. It just combusts. And then it falls to ashes. And then from those ashes, it's reborn. What if you think about it like this? That because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that same power that lived in Christ, the Bible says lives in you. What if every time you saw that symbol, you said, because of your great mercy over my life, 
all things can be made new. And you, Phoenix, are the people, by God's grace, through Jesus Christ, that he's saying, I want to make things new in your life. Peter wants us to remember that. He caused us to be born again, a second birth. Peter got a new identity. He knew things were different. Fourthly, Peter wants us to know this, is that Jesus is our living hope. He says we're born again, not just to be born again, but for a purpose and a plan, for a living hope. Peter uses this word living six times. If I was one of those original disciples, one of the 12 or even closer, one of the three, the living Christ would have been my preaching message every Sunday. And the reason why is because what's miraculous about Jesus is that he's not dead. Rome tried to ensure he was dead as dead crucified him, most horrendous form of torture and capital punishment in all world empires, and then ensured that he was dead. And Peter says, no, there's a living hope. He says it six times in his epistle. It means that there's a certainty and a security that he's real. When I talked to my friends, I studied uh, world religion in college and I would dialogue with my friends and we would discuss other, uh, other religions and their founders. And I'd get to Jesus and say, you know what stands out about Jesus though? He claimed he was God. And then he rose again when, once he died. Did your God do that? No. That's what I thought. Jesus is worth giving praise. Jesus stands out in human history as a living symbol of hope for all of humanity. There's a difference between living hope and false hope. Living hope really helps us. And Peter says this living hope, Jesus is alive, helps. Imagine if Jesus never rose from the grave. Imagine that. What would that leave Peter feeling? Hurt, depressed, discouraged. Everything this man said is not true. He's not God. But Peter says, no, we have a living hope. Living hope is eternal. A false hope is temporal. A living hope is potent. A false hope is impotent. Living hope gives us three things. It gives us a plan to live by. Every single day when you wake up, you need to know that you have a living hope. That you can go to Christ for your help. That you can go to him in every situation that you're in. Tough situation in your marriage, your relationships, any of that stuff. You can go to to God for help. Gives you a purpose to live by. Peter got a new purpose in life. Living hope gives us power to rely on as well. Jesus is the living hope. And as a church, we're the people who spread hope. I want to show you a little bit about what this church has been up to. We've been addressing the local orphan crisis in Arizona, but as well addressing and sending out missionaries and helpers to serve uh, kids that are uh, globally in great need. Check out this video. Soy María Antoine, soy la encargada del Instituto Santa Cruz de Herrera. 
estamos muy contentos porque ustedes vendrán a visitarnos en el mes de julio y damos gracias infinitas a Dios porque habiendo otros centros, ustedes nos han elegido a nosotros. Gracias por orar por nosotros, por pensar en nosotros. Nuestros niños ahora quieren decirles ¡Happy Les esperamos. That's Maria. She's excited. She's got several hundred kids, and many of you guys are taking a, a trip over there, and we're going to serve and show the love of Christ to those kids in great need. And today, I wanted to tell you, as a way of that we can spread hope, is as a church, here's what we do oftentimes on Christmas and Easter. We say, hey, 100% of, of the offering today goes towards global mission efforts to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. So, If you're new here, don't feel at all obligated to give anything, but today, as a way of our way of sharing and showing the love of Christ and giving living hope, that's what we want to do today. So um, the last thing that Peter teaches us is that Jesus' resurrection makes everything possible. Look what he says in the verse. He says, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He reminds us that everything happens because of the resurrection. In other words, to think about it is, you don't want to praise a dead God. You give praise to the fact that Jesus is alive. You don't find mercy from a dead God. You find mercy from a living God. You don't find new life from a dead God. You find new life from a living God. You don't find hope. And a man who proclaimed himself to be God and that said he would raise again. You don't find that from a God that is dead. Peter reminds us there's a resurrection. That's what we're celebrating on Easter Sunday. We're celebrating the resurrection. It's through the resurrection we can give praise. It's through the resurrection that we can find mercy. It's through the resurrection that we can be made new. It's through the resurrection that we can find hope. This is what the Apostle Paul said. If Christ has not been raised, the preaching I'm doing here today, it's useless. Martin Luther, the reformer, said this. If Christ has not been risen from the dead, we should be without any consolation and hope in all the work of Christ would be in vain. The good news for us is this, is that Jesus changes lives because he's alive. Amen? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and we thank you, Lord, that your mercy is made new every single day. And I thank you, God, that you uh, do not leave us alone and that we serve a God who is alive. And we give you thanks for that. And right now, what I'd like to do, while you guys have your heads bowed and you're praying, I'd like to lead us in a corporate prayer for hope. Just pray with me silently if you want to pray a prayer of hope for your life, your marriage, your family. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the living hope that I hear in your word. Help me, heal me, restore everything in my life because you're alive and you say you can help. So I want to trust in you today and ask for your blessing upon my family, my marriage, my personal life. In Jesus' name I pray. 
And for those of you that are brand new, maybe to church, or maybe you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, today might be the day. If you sense God's tugging at your heart to respond and you want to pray, and I want to help. You can pray something like this. Dear Lord, I come to you and say I need help. I acknowledge I've done things apart from your ways. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. Wash over my life through the cross. Thank you. Forgive my sins. Make me new. In the name of Christ, I pray. Save me in the name of Christ. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Guys, good news is, is Jesus is alive. Amen. Today, if you made a decision to start a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice. And there's a lot worth living for as a Christian. And I encourage you to, here's the good news. If you're just placed your faith in Jesus Christ, it gets better through the years. You may go through hard times, but you've always got hope. You've always got help. And the Lord can change anything. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.